Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so glad to have you join us. Uh, we are going to start to explore some different ways over the next several weeks, not necessarily every week in a row, because we want you to have some other information as well, but ways that you can build the confidence in not only yourself, but also your staff and in your program. And so um, a couple episodes ago, we did talk about how even Tiger Time can help build the confidence of your staff. So today we're going to talk about how you can help build the confidence of your staff by doing observation, as well as what does it mean to have a consultant or how can somebody else do observation on your program? So with that, Carrie, pick a side and I'm going to let you get us started. I guess I was going to talk a little bit about how programs have used us as consultants okay. um, at doing observations at the school. I do a fair amount of them for people who are opening a school. Uh, and they're like, come and look at the space, look at how we have the classroom set up. This classroom is having a little bit of a difficulty with this behavior problem. And frequently I can go, yeah, that's because you need to move these two pieces of furniture. <laughs> so it's the why you need a, somebody to come in and do observation, whether it's the director or a teacher from another class or an outsider like Kate and I is because you need fresh eyes on a problem. To me, that's what observation is there for, is to give you fresh eyes on a problem. A child is having a behavior problem or maybe a whole class is having a behavior problem or you don't seem to be able to get any enrollment into this classroom. Okay, so would we only ever use observation for problems? No, but it's when people think of bringing somebody in from the outside. So inside the school, you also use it. It is recommended. It is best practices to at least once a quarter. So once every three months for the teacher to be doing observation and assessment of the individual children in the classroom. So the teacher is maybe one day go looking and seeing what is the general flow of the classroom? Is the flow working? Do I need to change some things? I seem to have 12 children all trying to be in the block center at the same time. Maybe we need a secondary building center, or maybe I need to make the space smaller. <laughs> you know, there's a couple different options. So that's usually the first day of observation for the teacher. It's basically, you're still doing your normal job. You just have a notepad. And you're thinking about it, you're thinking about what am I seeing and trying to look at it from a big picture. You're trying to look at the forest, not the trees. Most days the teacher is looking at the trees, like these are all the kids and this is what the kids are doing. So the first day it's what's going on with the forest. And then the second day is, is there anything that's popping up with those individual trees <laughs> where either they're not being challenged enough in an area they're not developing, they haven't moved forward in an area of development, or they're, they're having a conflict, something like that. So the second day is usually looking to see, are all the kids where they need to be developmentally? Okay. So I know this director who used to keep post-it notes in their jacket pocket, and so that when they were going around and observing during the course of the day, they'd make notes. I don't know what you're talking about. And I've they would never write heard of that. Notes and they'd put them in the other pocket of their jacket. <laughs> <laughs> so remember that as a director, you also are doing 
moment by moment observations. So as a director, you are constantly observing your staff, their flow in their classroom, their communication with their peers in their classroom and their communication and discipline and all of those lovely components that go into a classroom uh, day in their interactions with their children. You might also be making it with their interactions with parents. So again, as a director, you're going to use the tool of observation all day long, every day. And the more of those happy post-it notes that you can make about every staff person that you can give them over the course of the day, at the end of a week, however you want to share that information, that'll go a long way. So although, although we often think of observation for we have an issue with a child, whether it's behavioral or demo, um, developmental, a lot of times we think about it as observation because we keep getting cited for the same thing. Like there's just something that our program just can't seem to get past related to um, inspections and regulation. So absolutely those things are instinctively what people think about. So I'm hoping that you guys also all think about those smiley things, those things that our staff are doing really, really well. So yeah, and choose to bring outsiders to look into your program, whether it is somebody like maybe you're in a nonprofit and it's just somebody on the board who wants to come observe, or you're actually going to invest in your program and bring in some outside folks. Um, definitely think about whether or not that's one person, whether that's two people, whether that's just negatives, just positives one day or two day uh, or longer, because again, depending on the size of your program and, you know, don't ever, ever, ever hire somebody that says, oh yeah, I can do that. Or it's not going to cost you much because that's probably not what you want. I mean, I'll be honest, you get what you pay for and you want somebody who's going to take the time to really spend time in your classroom. Who's going to ask questions and observe, and then give you a resource that includes a game plan that includes action items. Just getting somebody's feedback of, oh, you guys have got this down. Oh, you guys are doing good. Yeah, no, that's not useful. That's not, that's useful. not helpful. That's not used to your useful to your management. It's not useful to anybody. Yeah. Um, so circling back to the director walking around and doing observation, which yes, Kate is 100% right. You should be doing it all the time. Wearing a jacket, having the left-hand pocket for unused post-it and the right-hand pocket for used post-its is definitely a page out of my book. But the other thing to think about with that is what we're doing is we're getting prepared for being able to do their annual assessment or their quarterly assessment. If you only pay attention to them the week that the assessment is due, you're not doing them any good. You're not doing your center as much good. And part of what we're trying to do here is build your staff's confidence with observation. So we were talking earlier about building their confidence that they can take a step back and look at their classroom and see what's working and what's not. So they have a little bit of confidence that they can think critically about their own class. But then also what Kate was saying about when you see them doing an amazing job facilitating an art project and helping the kids take it to the next level and take it to the next level write that down, put one copy of the post-it note in their file, their confidential file for their review and give the other half, the other copy of it to them as a note on some note cards that you've made from the children's art that you've cut up into four by six squares. 
<laughs> um, Kate and I believe very strongly in reusing the children's art. They only usually use one side of the paper, cut it up, make it into note cards, and use that to give your teachers happy grams. And sometimes the happy grams are about, I saw you working with this child and you guys were having a little bit of a difficulty communicating effectively. I really like how you persisted through that and tried several different techniques. So giving them a happy gram about something that they struggled with, but they were able to resolve is some of the best confidence boosting you can ever do. And be aware that not everybody wants written words. Some people need to hear them. And some people need to overhear you talking about them to someone else because they won't believe it if you say it to their face, but they will believe it if they hear you telling Loretta about it. Well, and don't, and, and definitely don't discount the, the note card or the post-it note, even if it's a fairly informal, because I actually have a stack uh, that I have kept over the years. Um, I have some that are in my, um, even on the desktop of my laptop, uh, because they've come in as emails or social media posts or something. And, you know, it doesn't take much. We are in an age of technology. So again, if you're seeing things that are happening in a classroom and you love the feeling that that gives you just by looking at, you know, snap a quick pic. You know, it's always better if the kid's face isn't exactly in it and it's maybe definitely more the teacher. But even if it's just for you to grab the moment, maybe you don't share the picture, but it's for you to kind of help remember everything about that moment. Because we all know there are days where we are running around and we see something out of the corner of our eye that kind of just reminds us why we do this. And, you know, grab a quick pic. Again, those pics, sometimes they're just for you, right? Like how, how great would it be if you had a book of why I do this job and you have the pictures, the stories, the thank yous, even if nobody ever sees it but you and you get an opportunity in your tiger time, especially those longer tiger time blocks when you're trying to figure out how to get yourself motivated to do the next four months of curriculum, this is why you do it, right? So grab those, grab those opportunities. In that same sense, because we do have technology, even if you're not sending those pics, take the time to go send a whole bunch of a whole bunch of text messages at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, don't please don't do it when they're supposed to be paying attention to the children. Um, we already have teachers all over the globe that have a problem with that thing being, you know, literally physically attached to their body. And so if we give them one more excuse to look at it uh, while they're in a classroom, we're not helping the situation. But that doesn't mean that it's 730 at night or maybe it's maybe it's seven o'clock the next morning. Maybe you're one of the first maybe you're part of the opening team and you send all the notes from yesterday or maybe you do it at the end of the day when you're closing because you could tell there were some people that were like and you're thinking, oh, I really want them to come back tomorrow. I need to know that they handled that well. Right. So take that time. And we don't always have the time. And I know we've all had those situations where we've probably said something in a situation that maybe was not the best location to have that conversation. Or maybe it was awkward. Because again, if you've got staff who don't take compliments well, woo, please do not compliment them in front of us, you know, other teachers or, or parents. They're gonna be like, no. Well, but there's also times that we, as the directors, have said something in the heat of the moment 
we're like, what the heck were you thinking? And then we realize, oh, I said that out loud and in a room with other adults. Um, and so sometimes the observation is you observing yourself and going, I owe that person an apology. And I have, am definitely a person who has written the apology note and bought flowers for a teacher and given them the apology note and the flowers, kind of like I'm dating them. <laughs> you know, it's amazing what that does for their confidence and for their respect for you as a leader. If you apologize heartfelt and in a physical way for what you did wrong without saying, but there's no buts in apologies. Nah, if you're not sure how to apologize, talk to a rabbi. They do it every Yom Kippur. They help their whole congregation <laughs> with apologies. Even if <laughs> that is not your faith. holiday for this, they have a holiday for apologizing. <laughs> um, so that's a great, it's a point, great but- resource. So that's a great point. Just real quick. There's also the five love languages of apologies. Um, if that's, if that's kind of down your, if you're a self-help book kind of person, but you know, Carrie brought up a really great point and I just want to touch on it because it's been um, a little overwhelmingly in my life for the last 16 months, but definitely understand you and your staff will have things happen in your life that have absolutely nothing to do with happen, what's, what's happening in your program. Not everybody is going to be an open book and not everybody's going to tell everybody about what's going on in their outside of school life. So giving that grace, understanding that perhaps, especially if you think it's out of character, if you've had a staff person who's been with you for a long time and they do something that you're thinking, that is so not that person, you know, stepping back, giving yourself, you know, some time to reflect, you know, I personally, you know, a couple of days ago, I had a conversation with somebody and I literally screamed because I kept being talked over. Definitely not the growing up way to handle that. Uh, (laughs) Now the conversation continued to go sideways. So it's not like that, like got both sides redirected, but just remember that sometimes you personally are having a bad day. Sometimes that teacher's having a bad day. Somebody could have coughed up on them, thrown up on them, bodily fluid. (laughs) And (laughs) Then they had all this stuff happening at home and they've got their own kids and their own stuff. So always, always, always try work extra hard, especially as a director. And depending on your age, we have directors as young as 21. And so depending on your age, especially if this is not something that you grew up doing, as far as the whole apology thing, work really hard to anything that seems remotely negative, or even if it's meant to be positive and you have a tendency to make things, yeah, maybe not sound positive, but that's how you meant them. Uh, Make sure that you try to do some of that stuff in in private. So, you know, go ahead and use some maybe ticker time instead of tiger time where the door is shut. You're not going to totally lose it if somebody walks in, but you're trying to um, give the staff person an opportunity, um, especially if they seem to have overreacted to, you know, spilt milk, right? Like we've all heard those stories, right? You know, why are you crying over spilt milk? Well, may not be the spilt milk that they're actually crying over, <laughs> Absolutely. And that's part of observation is watching your staff and seeing what's going on that's not their norm. And if you're doing a good job of observing, then you're going to see those kinds of things. If you're having a problem with 
getting enrollment into your center, then your observations are probably not cutting it and you need to bring somebody else in to do the observations and have somebody else if you're not being able to convert people on a tour. So maybe it's that your tour language has gotten messed up. So maybe it's that you're just no longer confident when you're doing a tour. And so people are feeling that and they're not enrolling because you're no longer confident in the tour. It may be that you've seen the same walls every day for 10 years and you don't realize that they need to be painted. Maybe again, same thing. Maybe you don't see that the dynamic has shifted in a classroom and you need someone else to come in. It can be somebody who's paid or it can be your most nitpicky friend, you know, going and getting somebody else to take a look at what's happening at your program can be helpful if you're stuck in a rut or if you're in a downward cycle. And I'm just going to wrap us up with this one little comment on that. If you do ever choose to use outsiders, consultants, Um, in this fashion, um, set some real clear boundaries, make sure you're really clear what you're wanting and expecting. Don't make the assumption. Well, like I said before, and I've said it a lot of times over the course of the last couple of years, you do get what you pay for. So just remember that if I was going to give you advice, if you were one of our clients and you called and said, okay, yeah, I want somebody to come out and do this. I'm going to tell you two things. One, Two people always, whenever try to get, if you can get a consultant firm that can bring two people, that's always going to be to your advantage for the exact same reason we've just talked about. Right. Um, and then make sure that you are prepared to be a, a literal open book. Um, especially if you're asking them to help you with anything that has to do with business development, business management, any of that. So hiding or not being honest is not going to help. And, um, they should give you things that they're going to want information before, and they should be prepared to give you a written write-up with um, a true game plan. So those are things you should expect from them. You should know that they should be asking you for homework ahead of time. If they just show up and they're going to give you four hours, and then they're just going to tell you what they think, your best friend can do that for you. (laughs) Yeah. It's much more like a CDA assessment, right? You've prepared documents ahead of time. They look at the documents, they observe what's happening at the program, then you meet at the end and they give you time to reflect and to tell what they saw. So it's very much like the CDA EDS visit. (laughs) Um, As you were saying that, I was like, it is so much like when I do a CDA evaluation visit. That is what it should be. Yeah. Um, So if somebody's come out and done a credentialing visit, whether it's on your location or on staff, you should expect nothing less from a consultant who's looking at your entire program. I would personally expect more. And so yep. that's why I said, um, and I've seen programs that have only used one person and, and people are fine with that, but there are reasons and I'm not going to share it necessarily here. Uh, but I definitely feel like there's a real, re- real advantage to using two people. Um, even if two people are literally looking at the same stuff, just at different times on different days, because if they're there for two days and consultant A and consultant B are flip-flopping what they're looking at, they also are bringing different experiences in and they're going to be able to give you, um, in my opinion, a more complete assessment um, because you are asking for a program-wide generally. Um, this is not, you're coming to look at a classroom. So right. if you have a classroom with some behavior issues and you're bringing a consultant in, Yeah, one consultant for a few hours is going to be fine. But if you're asking for somebody to come in and really help you 
market your program, turn over your program, breathe life back in, um, it's time for an investment. And that observation is going to be uh, really important to you. Even if you think your program's good, but you want it to be great and you want to figure out how do you get it from good to great, it may take an outsider's perspective to look at you and go, okay, so you're going to need to go get some teachers with actual master's degrees. It's awesome that every teacher you have here has a CDA, but in the credentialing program that you're in, you're never going to go from good to great, even though your teachers are awesome, because they're the credentialing program you're in is looking for this one piece of magic paper. And so you're going to yep. be, yeah, that absolutely could be it. I mean, again, this is just taking that observation tool up to the next notch. Kate and I love doing it, but there's other people who do it too. We're not saying you have to use us, but if you're trying to get your program to be the best program in the area or you're experiencing challenges, observation has to be part of it, whether you're at the point where you can do it with internal people, or you need to bring somebody else in, that's going to be a judgment call for you and your team. But every director is doing observation on a daily basis, and you might as well get credit for it by giving people those happy notes. <laughs> when you catch them doing the right thing, you want to catch people in their positive actions about five times more than you catch them in the negative. If you catch them every day doing something wrong, that means you have to catch them five times that day doing something good because we want them to be motivated and engaged um, and committed to your center. Absolutely. Got to love caught in, the, caught in the act. So thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to talking to y'all next week. Uh, if you've liked what you've heard, feel free to share, feel free to leave us a review. Maybe not right now. You can go ahead and write it, but we might ask you to put it on the, um, the upcoming uh, announcements that you guys are going to be hopefully as excited about it as we are coming up eh, before the end of the year. There we go. <laughs> that, that's how committal I'm going to be. So before the end of 2022. Okay. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.